Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to 3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello, you're listening to Querying the Air on 3CR Community Radio 855 AM, coming to you from the lands of the Kulin Nations, the Wurundjeri, Bunurong, Wadarong, Tangarong and Jajawarong people. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge all Elders past and present and pay my respects. Uh, I'm Leah Incognita and today on Querying the Air, you're going to hear me speak to Wei Tingting, who is a... Uh, Chinese feminist activist, one of China's Feminist Five, who was detained for over a month uh, recently for a planned action against sexual harassment uh, on International Women's Day 2015. And this is her first interview with Australian media. So we're really privileged to have spoken to her uh, when she's still um, possibly uh, going to face charges. We also today have ARIA award-winning classical guitarist Tonya Field playing for us live in studio, uh, which is going to be fantastic, and chatting about her gender-diverse video project, Corpus is Opus. Uh, and we're also going to listen to a short interview that Anya from Tuesday Breakfast recorded uh, with Aoife Cook talking about the Irish referendum uh, that recently successfully passed um, same marriage equality in uh, Ireland. Uh, but first I'm going to go to a track and this is um, I Seen Your Baby by Cash Savage. That was local Melbourne musician Cash Savage uh, and you're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am. It's actually Radiothon time uh, at the moment for 3CR. Uh, Queering the Air's proper Radiothon show is next Sunday and we're going to have lots of great stuff on that show for you uh, and you can call in live uh, to donate and we'll thank you with great love um but if you'd like to donate online you can do that at 3cr.org.au just click donate our target this year is two hundred twenty thousand dollars, so it's quite a lot that we need to raise but every hour of radio costs us 90 dollars to make so um and that's with like the extraordinary volunteer power of almost everyone uh on this station volunteering their time for free so um yeah it would be really great if people could throw us some dollars yeah uh our next uh segment today for you is really special uh, because it's the first interview that Wei Ting Ting has done with Australian media. So just before International Women's Day this year on the 8th of March 2015, several Chinese feminists were arrested ahead of a planned action to protest against sexual harassment. And uh, five women, Wang Man, Zheng Shuran, Wu Rongrong, Li Tingting and Wei Tingting, uh, all aged between 25 and 32, uh, were held for a total of 37 days. Um, and following a huge campaign by feminists, LGBT, human rights, labour and student activists around China and globally, uh, they were finally released on the 13th of April 2015, but their legal situation remains unclear because they were released under a form of conditional release that still still allows charges to be brought against them later. Um, and so they have some tra- travel restrictions and such. Uh, so I spoke to one of the women who was detained, Wei Ting Ting, and she'll tell you more about it. As a feminist and an LGBT activist in China, have you been targeted by authorities before? Oh yes, I do. Um, actually, in I will give you an example. In last May seventh, I was taken by the local police because my organization and other two organization we try to organize a, a law per- perspective meeting about. I don't know if you heard the case. There is a gay guy in two thousand and twelve. Uh, he he organized a protest and pride in Changsha in the middle of the of China, and then he was uh, 
put into the detention center for 12 days, around 12 days. So we try to organize a meeting to talking to talk about these issues. And we invite some new lawyer, some professor, some professor, and also we want to invite the gay guy who was detained to come together to talk about these issues. But before the meeting in in May 7th, uh, at around 1 a.m., two police come to my place and knock my door in 1 a.m. and they take me away. And what I, I, I was very surprised because I just moved to my new apartment only two weeks. And I'm so, I was very surprised that they can find out where I live mm. and you, you know, just go to me, go to go directly to me and take me away to, they said that they want to interview me about, uh, they have some questions to ask me about the meeting and then uh, through, I think I stay in the uh, police station for over around 12 hours at that time. So that's the first time I was taken away by police for that long, for, you know, over 10 hours. And after that, several police come to visit me and interview me for maybe two or three times. The police come from the place who in charge of the place I live. And one police come from uh, the place who is in, who was in charge of the, of the area where my office is. And they just come to interview me and ask me almost say questions several times, something mm. like uh, arrest, uh, something like harassment to me. Yeah, that's the last time I was targeted by the author- authority. And also, you know, I were, I also involved with the bisexual movement. Mm. So last, I remember it should be this, this Jan, January, mm. yeah. I tried to organize uh, one bisexual event and then please call me. Um, one please call me, want me to cancel this event. And then I say no to them. So after around 7 a.m., 7 p.m., before the event start, the, after the event start around, yeah, 8, 8, 8 p.m., yeah, it should be 8 p.m. And they, around four, I remember four places come to the venue uh, where we are ha- we are holding the whole event and they come directly to find me and talk with me and want me to cancel the event. And this time uh, in when you were detained in March, what was the reason given for your detention? Oh, so the reason is cry of picking corals and provoking troubles. In Chinese, it's 寻衅滋事罪. So I don't know if foreigner can understand this this reason or this cry mm. it's something if you you know picking coral in the street or provoking some troubles with others have mm. fighting or corals yeah, yeah that's the reason they give us and what is the situation for the five of you now that you have been released uh, for me, uh, after I was released, I was sent back to my hometown in Guangxi directly. And at that time, the police told me that I should not leave Guangxi for maybe half years or one years. I should stay there. And also, officially, as I'm still on Bay, so officially, if I want to leave Guangxi or leave my hometown, I need to apply to the local police station. And if they don't, they don't allow or they don't approve my proposal, I cannot leave the place. And also, I'm still the crime suspects officially in in the law according to the law. Right. And that's my situation. And I also, the other girls, so far as I know, like Rong was still uh, harassed by local police. And Zheng Turan sometimes told us she might be followed or watched. I'm not sure. Also, I think maybe my cell phone was watched, but I'm, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Right. And how long will these bail uh, bail conditions last? Uh, it's one year officially, according to the law. And how can people help to 
to campaign for all of your charges to be cleared? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm still trying to figure out. And you know, my lawyer, my lawyer arrived Beijing today and he will send a proposal to the Beijing Public Security uh, Bureau to try to clear my charge. And we will see what, what's the reply by the local PSB. And I think I think in this time, the international campaign have a lot for us. Mm. If we don't have the, you know, this huge, big international feminist campaign and support, I think five of us cannot release, um, not, I mean, at least not all of us can be released. As a result, so it's really helpful. So um, I think the continual campaign or continual uh, fighting is is help helpful. But I'm I'm trying to figure out the line and trying to see what can we do in the future. But it's still going on. So. What would you like to tell overseas Chinese who are interested in what's happening back at home for transgender, bisexual and lesbian women in China? I think um, what's happening, it's quite complicated. As you know, China is a big country and we have people in city, we have people in urban, in, in countryside. It's complicated. But you know, as LBT women, in one side, we are women. So we face the gender equality in what's happening in the whole China. And in the other side, we are also, you know, transgender bisexual and lesbian gay people. So we also face the the discrimination uh, towards to gay community. So I think as LBT women, we face both barriers and both dis- discrimination comparing to other, other community. So we are really in the margin margin position in this society and but the good news is so far as i see in the young generation uh there are more in they 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 can understand and they get more and more information about lbt women and also about gender equality issues so i think that's a good sign for us to to give more hope for the young generation. But um, still, the discrimination is huge. So I think still a lot of work to do according to our movement. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, Is there anything else you would like to add? Just any final words? Not that much. The really thing I, I, I feel very strongly about the sisterhood in this case, you know, in not only in Mainland China also includes uh, uh, the abroad, um, abroad sister, brother, feminist, and LBT community a lot. Uh, solidarity, solidarity, <laughs> Yes, they come together to help us. So in this case, I I I really feel it's so important that we unite together not only in a religion, but in the international level. At that time, we can have more power to to fight for some authority and fight to some state's power. And that that's some really touch me and I feel so moved by the the international support. Yeah. That was me talking to Wei Tingting a couple of weeks ago, uh, who is one of the five Chinese feminists who was detained for over a month earlier this year ahead of a planned action to protest against sexual harassment uh, in China. Uh, so if you'd like to get involved in the campaign, uh, even though the women have the five women have been released, uh, they've been released with a form of conditional release that still allows charges to be brought later. So if you'd like to um, help campaign for their charges to be cleared, uh, look up the Free Chinese Feminists uh, page on Facebook. There's a few different petitions and letters and things uh, out there. And um, I think it's really interesting that the, the charge that they 
or well, the reason that they were given for being arrested was uh, was picking quarrels and provoking trouble um, when when they're you know they're protesting against uh, sexual harassment. And uh, Waiting Thing was also nominated actually for an Asia uh, LGBT award, um, activist award. Uh, and one of the other nominees actually was uh, Nisha Singh, a transgender woman from Malaysia who was part of the case that Queering the Year has also followed, um, where uh, a, a group of trans women were successful in uh, proving that anti cross dressing laws in Sharia law uh, in Malaysia were anti constitutional. Um, so there's a lot of really amazing activism happening around uh, Asia and the region and th- that we've been following a lot on this show. Uh, in particular, if you're interested in feminism and uh, queer activism in China, we also did, uh, I suppose, the earlier part of covering this story. Uh, we did an interview a few weeks ago with Dr. Wang Zeng from University of Michigan uh, talking more broadly about feminism, uh, the history and the context of feminism in China. Uh, And what was really interesting there um, was talking about the fact that, you know, in uh, Australia and and also in the US and and other countries, we're really used to uh, a lot of homophobia being associated with the church. So looking at a country where that's not the case, um, where conservatism doesn't come from sort of a religious background so much, um, also explicitly, um, is quite an interesting comparison, I think, and, and good for activists to think about. So you can find that interview on our page at uh, 3cr.org.au slash Queering the Air as well, um, the discussion that we had with Dr Wang Zhen. Um so now we've, we're going to have uh, live music, which I am so excited about because it's actually the first time um, I've had a live musician in studio with me uh, for Queering the Air. So we've got Tonya Field, who is an amazing classical guitarist who I had the pleasure of hearing play at uh, Reframing Gender last year. Um, and... Uh, she can tell you, sorry, Z can tell you a little bit about uh, the piece, which is also going to be in a video. Thanks, Leah. Yeah, um, I'm going to play basically half of a piece that is appearing on the video. The piece is called Asturias uh, by Isaac Albanus. And Asturias is a very um, traditional Spanish classical guitar piece steeped in a lot of tradition. Uh, appears in concert halls all over the world. And the reason why we've chosen that piece we'll talk about a little bit later, I guess. But here's the first half of this piece. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Tonya. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you, Leah. We'll hear a bit more uh, from that piece later on in the show. Uh, I'm going to go to a interview now that uh, Anya from 3CR's Tuesday Breakfast did with Aoife Cook, uh, who was in Dublin at the time, uh, straight after the referendum on marriage equality that happened in Ireland recently. Um, so they're talking about the uh, both both that campaign and the wider implications. Yeah, and so all of Ireland's 43 constituencies, except one, voted in favour of the measure, and the final figure showed 62% of votes in favour of the change and 38% against. What a success. And so just some history about Ireland. Um, it only really decriminalised homosexual acts in 1992, and as we know, is a largely Catholic country. How do you think it was possible for such strong support uh, for the yes vote happen under those circumstances? So the yes vote has definitely been something more than marriage equality. For most people in Ireland, it's it's marriage equality, yes, but it's also a rejection of the church and the control of the Catholic Church. Now, there's still 80-something percent of people who are officially Catholic, and there's still, you know, relatively strongish numbers of people going to Mass and all the rest, although the numbers are down. But even still, the rejection of church teachings has come about because of the high level of child abuse scandals among priests in the country. The, you know, more knowledge around how young unmarried women who became pregnant have been treated in the past, you know, put into residential homes and used basically as slave labour and their babies taken off them. And there's much more awareness around how church influence has impacted on medical practices in Ireland, particularly around childbirth and similar similar issues. So, you know, it's really a lot of it has been we're not going to de- we're not going to run with what the church has been teaching even for catholics even for practicing catholics there was still a rejection of of this and the other thing i'd say would be that because Ireland's a very small country, geographically as well as in population, you know, the population's about four and a half million, um, but it's physically, you know, it's geographically quite small. You know, everybody knows gay people. People don't live in bubbles. It's not as easy to live in bubbles here. And, you know, once you've kind of two, three, four gay people out in the village, everyone kind of gets used to it. So social change does happen quite fast for that reason. Mm. Um, and then the third issue would be that there's a lot of emigration, a lot of travel and a lot of movement. You know, we're a very small island near a lot of other European capitals. And, you know, as you know, there's loads of Irish in Australia, there's loads of Irish in Canada. So that kind of generation of young people do emigrate, do travel, and ideas change quite fast in that context as well. Why Gender is a group for trans and genderqueer questioning young people in France. Why Gender run social events and have monthly meetings in the city. Check us out on Facebook or see whygender.com for more info. Whygender.com Where to from here? When a country approves same-sex marriage in such a popular vote, where what happens next uh, in the kind of gay rights movement uh, what do same-sex people focus on? I'm really pleased that it's happened in Ireland, um, but I wonder, you know, often I think if in Australia we were to get same-sex marriage, would people be discussing uh, gay, teen, suicide? Um, where to from here? Well, LGBT bullying is still quite bad, and like Australia, the suicide rate of young people is quite high. Um, this, I suppose what's What's heartening is that all of the top political parties and all, you know, the decision makers in society, as well as civil society, did come out and say yes. And they may have said yes for the first time. So there are a lot of, you know, LGBT groups and support groups in civil society and activist groups who have been bolstered by this and will continue, I, I'm sure, to, to keep working and working very, very hard. And like this campaign has been extremely heteronormative. Like I'm, I'm straight and, you know, not a big fan of marriage. And even I was cringing at some of the, mm. you know, we're all just the same kind of comments coming out. And it was really, really heteronormative. And there wasn't much queer analysis going on. And queer communities did support a yes vote for obvious reasons, you know, um, you know, supporting supporting a minority, whatever whatever progress we're able to make. And so there is still a lot of conversations that will happen and a lot of progress. And I'd hope there will be, you know, still a lot of anti-bullying work, suicide prevention, um, and 
have those conversations will be easier to have in the majority Catholic schools across the country and in other places where these issues were never talked about before. Mm. And as well as as well as that, I hope that you know queer communities will get stronger and start challenging marriage and challenging that tradition and um, being able to do so openly because these conversations have has happened for the first time in many places. Mm, yeah, that's really good to know um, that, yeah, that hopefully these discussions and, and kind of critical analysis of marriage will kind of come out of this, uh, hopefully. Yeah, I suppose the main thing is that, just to reiterate, that this has definitely been much more than marriage in itself. You know, it's really been an extremely positive thing for the country where huge amounts of conversations happened for the first time. Huge numbers of people came out. Huge number of people have been LGBT in public. Um, and the conversations that have happened and the amount of people who actually came onto the street and mobilized, knocked on doors, you know, came out to strangers has been absolutely massive. And it's just been such a big deal. Mm-hmm. And even for those critical of marriage, for for the, the many good reasons there are to be critical of marriage, I think are very, very heartened by what's happened and the kind of mm-hmm. level of social change that this has been for our country. So I'm just really, really pleased and so much of us are. And so I hope <laughs> I hope Australian listeners can, can understand that it's, it's bigger than marriage. And, mm-hmm. and it's just been a very, very positive thing. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much, Aoife, uh, for joining us on the Tuesday Breakfast Show. Thank you. That was Aoife Cook talking to Anya from 3CR's Tuesday Breakfast uh, the other week following the referendum in Ireland that uh, successfully passed same-sex marriage. Uh, Just chatting about, yeah, sort of the context of that. Um, And, yeah, I found it quite interesting that, well, especially going from talking about China to talking about Ireland um, from a, you know, from a fairly secular, um, quite atheist perspective, country with uh, a communist history to a fairly still, you know, still uh, I think Aoife said, um, 90% Catholic country uh, with, yeah, just a very different social context. Um, but I think it's really good to see that, uh, that she thinks that the conversation there that has been started by this campaign sort of can broaden out from, from being about marriage to... Uh, a lot of other things and that a lot of other, I guess, stories are being made visible through the process of that being, you know, part of national discourse there. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I heard a program on radio um, yesterday um, about coming out in sport in Australia, and I think it's a really interesting kind of uh, yardstick for where Australia is at in a way because um, um, in sport, particularly sort of AFL and... um, yeah, other sort of more kind of male-dominated sports, it's still very difficult um, for people to come out. Um, and I think there was that player, Jason Ball, that came out a couple of years ago and that really stirred the pot and there was a lot of media attention. And that was expected to kind of open up the conversation a lot more here, whereas in fact mm. it didn't, unfortunately. And, and it's kind of um, gone quiet again. Um, and, and it just shows to me that... Yeah, we might get marriage equality here eventually, but it doesn't mean that a lot of other problems are solved. You've still got to actually work at the different um, areas of society to keep breaking down barriers, whether that's religious, whether it's sport, or whether it's whatever industry. Um, I think you've got to just keep up the conversation, um, otherwise things can retreat quite easily. Definitely, and I think Mm. it's really important for all um, campaigns around, you know, any queer issue to be diverse themselves as well because it's really easy to find, I feel, sometimes with um, the way, yeah, that a lot of uh, marriage equality um, kind of uh, campaigns have gone around the world is that a lot of uh, campaigns show sort of the most normal, the most comfortable, yeah. acceptable, respectable mm. kind of images, um, and then where we're sort of um, yeah simplifying first a mm. lot of the issues that uh, LGBTI communities experience, which are you know quite different from each other, even let Very. alone everything mm. else, but also the the intersections. Yeah, yeah. There's still a strong uh, to me. There's Still, quite a, a big, like a large barrier to break down in terms of breaking past the cisgendered kind of concept of marriage. Um, uh, so, I mean, I'm totally for, you know, opening up, uh, obviously, same-sex marriage in Australia. But um, yeah, I think you're right. There's a sort of an image 
of what that looks like. Um, and I think marriage needs to be a lot of other things as well. Um, so between trans men and another woman or a trans woman and another woman or all of these things, it needs to sort of really become just a union between two people that love each other regardless of body, um, uh, sort of um, inclinations sexually. Um, it's just, it doesn't matter really at the end of the day. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really affect anyone. <laughs> doesn't hurt anyone um so that's kind of the main thing for me but yeah we've got a little way to go here in australia i reckon but it's good to know that ireland is really i mean it's such a religious country and catholicism being Mm. such a conservative um religion in that way but yeah, it can be, but I think it's been interesting. I read a few articles um, following, yeah, the the, the Irish referendum, and yeah. um, and they po- pointed out a few, quite a few things I didn't know. One that Ireland is, I think, uh, one of the only countries in the European Union that, that doesn't have um, legal uh, gender recognition. Wow. Yeah, which is which is you know. Obviously, you'd think would would be yeah. quite obvious, like an obvious next thing to fight for or thing to have um, sort mm. of been campaigning around, um, which you know a lot of act- Irish uh, organisations are doing. But um, the other thing that uh, that came up in a few articles around the Irish referendum was that um, actually quite a lot of the countries that have uh, legalised um, same-sex marriage around the world have been majority Catholic countries, like quite a few in Latin America. Gosh. And um, people talked about, like, I was brought up Catholic, yeah. so I think that <laughs> I, I vaguely do kind of see um, how it is that even though a lot of people who are Catholic don't necessarily um, follow, uh, you know, mm exactly what Rome says or what yeah, the Vatican exactly, says. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that for some Catholics that there is, you know, quite a strong tradition of, I guess, um, Catholicism being about, uh, I suppose, like recognising the dignity of all people. And mm, so sometimes mm. that can actually translate to um, to being quite a, a I guess, anti-oppressive yeah. kind of way of thinking. Mm, but then, mm. but that's, yeah, that's not what's coming from... Yeah, from Rome. from Rome at all. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it's interesting exactly, here. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, you, and then and then you see that split on certain things. Like sometimes oh. um, Catholics have been uh, quite involved in a lot of um, advocacy for refugees in Australia, oh, and a lot of different yeah. church groups have. Uh, but then you know mm. haven't been great, obviously, on things like contraception and a lot of queer issues, and yeah. But it's, it's yeah, and no, it's, it's interesting that like I've been thinking a lot about that lately. How complicated it is. It's never simple. It's never like you can mm. say one organisation is this, write them off because they don't think this, 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 this. It's never that simple. You find mm. like what you're just saying, like the Catholic. Catholics and Catholic organisations, you know, um, doing a lot of social support in many ways and, you know, opening their arms for in a lot of ways and yet can also espouse quite sort of anti-queer uh, views as well. You really can't kind of generalise too much. Mm. Um, yeah, I just find that really fascinating. You just have to be very open and always allow for... Uh, to uh, always be open to, to being surprised by people, that, mm. you know, people that you think would be least likely to accept it can actually. And, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a tricky kind of line to walk. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to um, play – I'm going to play a couple of uh, announcements for different Radiothon uh, fundraisers and events coming up and Queering the Air. Uh, we've got a few film fundraiser film screenings as well. Uh, but then uh, stay with us because then we're going to talk about Tonya's uh, film project, which mm. is really exciting, and also hear a bit more music. <laughs> Come along to Women in Shorts, a night of eclectic short films by and about women from across the globe. Comedies, dramas, docos, we've got them all. A fundraiser for Women on the Line, 3CR's National Women's Current Affairs Program. Monday the 8th of June at Long Plain, 318 St George's Road, Fitzroy North, Melbourne. Films start at 6.30pm sharp. Tickets on the door, $10. See you there, Monday the 8th of June. CCR's Queering the Air is holding a film screening extravaganza to raise money for the station during its annual Radiothon. 
featuring queer films from the four cultures explored in We Weren't Born Yesterday, 3CR series exploring queer heritage in the Vietnamese, Indian, Arabic and Chinese communities in Australia. The film screenings will be held at Loop Bar on the 3rd and 17th of June and the 1st and 15th of July. Bookings are essential. For more information about all of 3CR's Radiothon fundraisers, visit 3cr.org.au slash fundraisers. from the American Empire trying to keep alive the legacy of John Coltrane, Curtis Mayfield, Nina Simone, and I am so glad you are listening to 3CR because 3CR is a force for good. It's telling the truth and allows you both to laugh, not at, but with others. Oh, what a grand radio station it is. That was Cornell West doing a station ID for 3CR Community Radio. That's pretty cool, eh? Um, yeah, so yeah, it's Radiothon time here at 3CR and, um, we would love for you to donate to our wonderful station, which produces, I think, some of the most amazing programs in Australia, including specials like, um, Beyond the Bars, uh, prison broadcasts during NADOC week and, um, and yeah, our series that, uh, aired earlier in the year, We Weren't Born Yesterday, which was, um, exploring queer heritage in, uh, Indian, Arabic, Chinese and Vietnamese, uh, migrant communities in Australia. Uh, you can still listen to that series online at 3cr.org.au slash, uh, We Weren't Born Yesterday. And, um, and yeah, to celebrate, uh, I guess that, that wrapping 3CR's Radiothon and, uh, and also our series, um, being, uh, nationally distributed via the community radio network. We're having these four film fundraisers. Uh, so we just had the Chinese one last week on the 3rd of June, but, uh, there's three more to come. So Wednesday, the 17th of June at 7 PM, we're going to be showing a uh, fire, which is a 1996, uh, Indian Canadian film directed by Deepa Mehta. Um, and had a lot of controversy around it when it first premiered uh, in India and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, and then on the 1st of July, we're going to have an amazing Vietnamese um, kind of, uh, I suppose, like lesbian kung fu uh, historical drama extravaganza. I, I watched the trailer, I think. It's called The Lady Assassin and there's like flying women and steamy sex scenes and it's, it sounds amazing. Um and then on um, on the fifteenth of Wednesday, the fifteenth of July, will be the Arabic film. Uh, the feature film is still to be confirmed, but we are going to be screening a short uh, by director Fatima Mawas, and uh, we're going to have the director uh, there introducing it, and you can ask her questions as well. So it's going to be really great. Um, it's ten dollars recommended <coughs> donation at Loop Bar in the city in a very cozy lunch environment. So come along um, if you can. And even if you can't make it to any of the events, you can donate to uh, 3CR at um, givenow.com.au slash cause, C-A-U-S-E, 442. Um, or you can just follow the links from 3cr.org.au. Um, so we're going to hear more from Tonya Field, uh, who is going to tell us a bit about uh, the project Corpus is Opus. Um, but first I wanted to ask, we were just chatting before mm. and, um, so Tonya is co-chair of guitar at Melbourne Conservatorium of Music at VCA MCM. And you said that you've been there for 17 years yeah. and you came out, uh, in 2013. So that would have been after 15 oh, years at that institution. Yeah. How was that for you? Um, very liberating. Um, I think I'm a lucky one in terms of coming out as genderqueer, I guess I call myself, um, because I think the arts institutions generally are a little bit more open, I think, because, um, you know, theatre um, and, uh, you know, drama, dance are all fairly gender exploratory anyway. Um, having said that, though, the Marble Conservatorium of Music being a classical institution generally is more conservative than those scenes and that kind of was quite a little bit worrying for me because I knew there were some conservative people there but 
again, it's like what I was saying earlier, like you're constantly surprised mm. with people. And because when you come out, and I did it in a very uh, kind of personal way, in a way, I had a very good friend who I was meeting up for coffees with um, when I was on long service leave uh, prior to coming back um, in 2013 and then that's when I came out when I returned back to work after long service leave and so you know during that time we were sort of talking about how to do all this and all that kind of thing and yeah and we didn't want to do it too formally because the style of workplace that it is is kind of much more personal and intimate um, it's not like coming out in a big corporation mm-hmm. so um, yeah that worked quite well um, but I was really surprised because when you do come out you open up the conversation you know, because if you're presenting uh, differently and in a more diverse way, but people don't know how you identify, um, then it's almost like a bit of a barrier for them to talk about it. So, but once you tell people, they that opens up the conversation. And I've been constantly surprised at the amount of uh, things that I found out about people's backgrounds and who they know is gender diverse. Um, so I've been really lucky. It was a good place to come out. And actually I found out that uh, the friend of, the, the good friend of the director of the school was a trans person. And I wouldn't have found that out unless I came out. And so, yeah, it's led to all sorts of conversations like that. Um, so that's, it's been a really positive experience for me. Um, yeah, very, very little negative that's great. I'm sure it must be really great for your students as oh. well and, and to see, you yeah. know, for, for any Absolutely. students who are going through the same mm-hmm. journey to, mm. to see that um, would be really amazing. Absolutely. Um, it opens up the conversation for them too. They can see that I'm out um, and, you know, a staff member have been there for 17 years. Um, it's like just, yeah, it just helps the cause a lot more. So, um yeah, I'm very open about it too in classes. I'm always cracking jokes about, you know, my diversity and, you know, in a, in a very lighthearted kind of way that keeps it sort of all nice and open rather than this sort of thing of, oh, Tonya's gender diverse and wonder what they do there and all that kind of thing. I'm just sort of very, um, I just like like talking about it. To me, it's not, a, it's not an issue. It's just like talking about the weather, you know. I, I don't have this whole gender sort of um, barrier um, which has taken a bit of time to sort of get, I guess. But mm. um, but it, anyway, but um, yeah, so it's been good. It's been good for them, yeah, the students definitely. Yeah, cool. So tell us about this project, uh, Corpus is Opus. Um, Corpus is Opus, um, kind of an interesting name. Uh, <laughs> Corpus meaning body um, and then is, and then. Opus is like a play on words because um, opus is a very strong musical term for a work. Mm. So corpus, so it sort of translates to a body of a body is work um, in a sense, and so it's kind of like a work in progress. The body um, and how I present, um, and I guess for most gender diverse people, it's a journey and uh, of self discovery, and it's sort of about that but but it's also got this kind of classical overtone anyway aside from the title it's about um I guess when I came out that sort of made me start thinking about where I wanted to head as a musician and as an artist because the classical scene is very formal generally speaking (laughs) compared to the contemporary scene um and other scenes and I never really related to that and I wanted to really break down the binary that exists mm. very strongly in classical music. Like you, the typical thing is you go to a concert or if you you know, jump on YouTube and you put in the piece of music that I am playing uh, in the video, you get either, you know, the cisgendered, you know, male, <laughs> bearded male usually... <laughs> Playing a classical guitar entails, you know, you know, or some mm. sort of formal uh, male attire and uh, presenting in that way, and then or you get, uh, you know, the the female uh, cisgendered look as well, and it's all got to sort of they've all got to look pretty and come across like a lady and all that kind of stuff, and so I just really hated all that. It was just sort of well, I don't fit into any of that, and so I just thought well, and it just seemed like a really kind of plain scene in that way so I just really wanted to spice it up 
and kind of say, well, and also kind of come out in a way because it will be public and it will be telling the music scene, this is where I'm at. So the project is both a concert and a video. Yeah, well, the concert, we've done a lot of shooting up until now, Mm -hmm. like lots of experiments in a way, and I should mention that it's uh, the commune arts and um, photography and video sort of school um, slash collective, I guess, Um, and that's basically a a voluntary uh, group of people who, you know, I suggested the idea to the director of that and, and everybody jumped on board and so it sort of took off and so, yeah, um, so I guess it's um, a video that we've been shooting and doing a lot of learning along the way and kind of the final big shoot is a concert that I'll be giving, a free concert of solo guitar with like Brazilian uh, contemporary bit of classical maybe and we're inviting a gender diverse audience and that can be anybody we're hoping for a fair number of gender diverse people but also um straight cisgendered whatever i don't mind you know it's all there we want everybody to mix and be part of it and that will be filmed the crowd will be filmed i'll be filmed i'll be in costume uh it'll be lit and so hopefully we'll have it yeah there'll be food and drink provided and so it's free and uh but limited yeah, so, so cha- to... changing up classical music <laughs> yeah. and, and classical aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think why not make it interesting like that? It's so, I mean, the tradition is there, but like, hey, we've moved on a bit in, mm. in the world, you know, and people aren't just, and the, and the thing is, I know there are gender diverse people in the classical scene, but they don't wear it mm. on their sleeves. All right, so the concert is um, on the 3rd of August 2015 at 2pm at the uh, Abbotsford Convent in Collingwood um, at the Oratory. Yes. And um, bookings are essential, there's limited seating, so people can book uh, on the Facebook Facebook page. page. Yeah, if you friend us, we can kind of be in touch, or you can use my email address, which is... Is at outlook.com, and um, and the Facebook page is Corpus is Opus, so just look that up, and yeah, the Crowd on Concert is going to be filmed and edited into the video, there's food and drinks, there's Mm. amazing music, (laughs) and um, we're going to close up Curing the Air today with just a little bit more... Uh, of uh, so, what was the name of the um, oh, sorry, the composition yeah. again? Yes, it's called Asturias. Asturias. Yes. Oh, very good. Uh, <laughs> by Isaac Albanez, who is a very um, well-known Spanish composer, a piano player. But this piece is transcribed for the guitar and has become better known on the guitar than it has on the piano. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Tonya Fields, and you've been listening to Querying the Air on Three CR Community Radio eight five five AM.
say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, I sure know where you are. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. We'll check out the happening vibe. We're gonna ring up and subscribe. If you listen to three, say, oh, flap your ears. What? Who the hell is that? Flap your ears. What you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. This is handmade radio. Get the hell out of here now.